0: Edelstein here, your celeb expert and your celeb savant. Celeb savant is a weekly entertainment show. We have long form career retrospective type interviews with celebrities, singers, actors, and industry experts. Discover the enchanting folk pop sound of Varuna Becker, a rising singer songwriter whose heartfelt compositions and soulful performances have captivated audiences worldwide. With over 2 million streams on Spotify, Varna's music has resonated with listeners globally. His impressive collaborations including sharing stages with international acts such as AHA, Callum Scott and Mitch James. Varna Becker is a singer-songwriter known for his acoustic-driven folk pop sound. In 2018, Varna released his debut EP, Parts of a Broken Man, receiving critical acclaim. In 2021, Verna released his highly anticipated EP, In My Cluttered Head. The lead single, To Memory, reached the top of the RSG local charts, further establishing Verna as a rising star in the South African music industry. Up next on Slepsvant, we've got Verna Becker. Where do we find you in the world? Where, how are you doing and what's happening in your life?
1: Awesome. Thank you for having me. It's nice to be here. Um, yeah, currently in my life, lots of stuff happening. had a had a very busy and crazy month um, and I think this uh, the single that I've brought out was part of the craziness and was uh, sort of the craziness fed off of that as well, um, in a good way and in a bad way.
0: <laughs> Why did you say in a good way and a bad way?
1: <laughs> so the song is about mental health and uh, about how uh, we tend to have these inner, inner monologues, inner dialogues with ourselves and that's something that I've been struggling with my whole life and sort of trying to make the voices, trying just to get them to shut up, basically. Um, and uh, in the last month, uh, one dog got sick and then had to stay at the vet for two nights. And then two weeks later, our both our dogs got attacked by the neighbor's dog. and oh, It was just God. a big old mess. And we had to take them in for multiple surgeries. And my goodness... And so in times like these where you're like super busy, there's lots of stuff happening, having to release a new single, having to promote yourself, but then also having this emotional sort of thing happening with your yes. beautiful pets, uh, then uh that self-speak sort of comes up again. And so it was cool actually to an extent to see it happening in real life, in real time while I was releasing a song about that specific topic.
0: Well, the universe gives us some things to play with <laughs> in inverted commas. I don't mean that as a joke, but yeah, it gives us stuff to challenges or hurdles, et cetera, et cetera. So now let's mm-hmm. rewind. So let's start to the very beginning. At what age did you decide, cool, I want to be in the music industry, and how did that journey accumulate to where we are currently?
1: Um, I think when I uh, when I was growing up, my dad was a musician. So for me, it was always an option and something that I was interested in. Um, and at about age 12, I picked up the guitar because my sister had started playing guitar and I was a bit jealous. And um, my dad showed her a couple of things. And so I I really started gravitating towards that. I'd learned a bit of piano before that, but never really, it never really piqued my interest. And then after that, I sort of started making music throughout school, started writing some of my own songs at about 16 or 17 years old. Got really inspired by the singer-songwriter scene, especially in Ireland and, and the UK, and um, really went on a tangent. And then when I reached sort of my final six months in school, I had the option of doing a couple of things with the grades that I that I got. And I was doing fairly okay in school, so I could do some stuff. But I, the, the only thing I really wanted to do was play guitar and write songs. Um, and so... I had to convince my parents because my dad was a musician himself. He knew how hard it was and he sort of wanted me to have a fallback plan. Mm. Uh, but I convinced them to, to not do that, to just go straight head on into the music. And uh, through that, I've learned over the years that you have to do lots of different things and, and find a niche. You might think that the one thing that you want to do when you're 17 is like be an international massive pop star mm. and by the age of 24 all of a sudden you realize oh wow I do actually quite enjoy teaching or wow I love writing music for films and so dipping your fingers into every little thing that you can every opportunity that you can I try to grab everything um, and try to do as much of everything as I could and whatever presented itself to me I really uh, just try to to get to there and and now we're at this point where I've um, got four EPs out and really enjoying just writing song after song and writing little stories um, and songs that work well together. I think that's a part of what I love doing.
0: So you mentioned that songs that go together. So does that just flow that, okay, cool, this song happens, then that song happens and it's a follow on from the previous song or does it ever happen that you've got a song that's also brilliant but is not necessarily part of that story and then Mm. how do you bring it in or do you push it out to an belong to another story?
1: Yeah, that's a that's a very tough one for me as well. When I started out I had a very much an acoustic sound, a, a singer songwritery sort of storytelling vibe. And now as I grow older I'm starting to like indie and more pop sounds a bit more for some reason. That's just where I'm gravitating towards mm-hmm. it naturally. And so a part of me has so many songs left over from the previous sort of part of my life that are more acoustic driven are more emotive uh, storytelling songs and then current songs that are slightly more leaning towards the upbeat side where where I'm expressing myself still so, so with with deep topics and whatnot but not as emotive i would say slightly more um friendly yeah. <laughs> if you could put it that way yeah. and i think a big part of 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 this whole career is learning to when to let go of of certain aspects and when to hold on to them. So, I mean, it's not like I'm letting go of these songs and just like throwing them away they're there. And if I ever want to revisit them or maybe try them in a different way or whatever, I do have those to lean back on, but I do like progressing in a new direction and sort of trying out new things and allowing myself to not hold on to and not to be too sentimental of old songs.
0: From zero to three to four minutes, that journey of writing, a song what inspires it what motivates it is it easy every time
1: oh yeah cool so for me generally it's either an idea that pops up into my head like a little melody line that just sticks immediately that i'll be driving or something usually driving and so voice memos are a big part of how i just sort of put ideas down quickly um driving getting a little melody idea putting it down and then over the course of a month or two when i wake up or go out one day and something inspires me. I get back home. I'll lean on those and go, "Cool, I have this one. I have this and this and this." Sort of feels like what I'm what I'm experiencing right now. But other times I will be writing, uh, well, playing guitar, and something cool will come up on the guitar, and I'll bang out a first chorus and be like, "Okay, cool, that's amazing." And then within 20 minutes, I've got a full song. Um, So it really depends on on the song. Sometimes it comes to you very quickly. I've spent two years on songs before where I've got the riff, I've got like a section of a verse, and I've got the idea of the story that I want to tell, but it just doesn't want to come until the right time, and then it reveals itself to you. You know.
0: Do you ever get frustrated when it's that, or you just let it go and work on other stuff and come back to that?
1: Mm. So, yeah, I do get frustrated. I find it such a like weird anticlimax or almost anticlimax sort of thing where I go into my little studio. I'm very excited, work on stuff for five, six, seven hours, be very inspired. And by the end of it, even though I've done a good job, I'll be frustrated. Um, because that's just it's just a, a sort of a natural part of the creative process you want to get it's sort of this instant gratification thing where you like oh i just want to get to the end of the song i want to hear what it's like when it's done and then you know that you're gonna have to spend three four five more weeks maybe on it depending on on the song um and that's sort of frustrating sometimes but sometimes it's very gratifying and like humbling to know that okay cool i don't have to end with a song right now or wow, look at this song. I wrote it three months ago. I thought it was great at the time and now I think it's absolutely <laughs> crap.
0: <laughs> so when you think it's that crap, do you throw it out completely or do you uh, just t- tweak it?
1: Sometimes you can tweak it. Sometimes there's, it's still s- savable. I think sometimes uh, you can't polish a turd though. Um, and that's just, it, it just is what it is. And we're not all perfect. So you can't write the perfect, the best song every single time. You know, sometimes... A song is just not as good as it it, it's it's or the next one or the one before that. So you have to sort of weigh it up and go, cool. Does this still have a place in my body of work? Is this still something that's relevant to me or to the people who are going to listen to it? And do I still like what this is? Because uh, penultimate,ly if you like, like right before you release a song, if you feel that that song is is not up to your standards or up to what you want to portray to the world. You're just going to shoot yourself in the foot by putting that out. Um, and there's a there's a great level of self-respect within that where you need to know, okay, cool. Sometimes you've got to let go and sometimes you've got to hold on, you know.
0: Everyone's perception of good and bad is different. My, well, my definition of good and bad is different to yours and, and, and so on and so on, to every mm-hmm. person in the world. What might be bad to you might be brilliant to thousands of other people. So what Mm. is your scale of saying, okay, this is bad. I'm not releasing it. Is it a feeling or do you bounce it off other other people? Or is that mind talk coming in? How do you perceive something is not great?
1: I think... We know, well, like as as a songwriter, I know what I am or I think I know what I'm capable of and I know what I'm aiming for. And so there's uh, that's the first step for me always. Like does it fall within, for me at least, let's say above 70% of what I envision for that specific song or for that project? And then after that, the process of like peer peer review comes in, right? I go to loads of producers that I know, loads of songwriters, musicians, send it to them, and then they'll come back and say, okay, well, I do like it, but this part could be stronger. Maybe you could make a better hook here, or maybe it needs a secondary hook after the chorus. And so that whole process of sort of producing without hardcore producing it, um, sort of Points out the little weaknesses within the song. And then if you feel uh, like, at least in my experience, if I feel that I have the capability or I have the time or I have the capacity to work further on it and I am inspired by it still to the point that I want to add more to it, then great. Then I'll do that. But if I don't, then I would rather use those resources on something that I really feel passionate and like, um, yeah, passionate about.
0: Okay, so for the people who are not in the music world, who do not understand, what is a hook?
1: A hook is uh, like a very catchy part of a song.
0: Okay.
1: It can be anything. So it can be a word. It can be a little part of a melody. It can be um, a little part of a guitar thing, a little piano part, whatever it is in a song that specifically stands out um, as something that's memorable.
0: And it's not necessarily the chorus. It could be other elements in the song.
1: Exactly. So some songs have multiple hooks in them where they'll have like a part before the chorus that's very catchy that people remember, but the chorus is also catchy. And then there's a little part after the chorus. It's also catchy. And those are okay. all primary, secondary, tertiary hooks to the yes. song.
0: So when mm-hmm. you're creating the songs, it's a solo as in it's, it's by yourself as in, mm-hmm. but then when you, getting feedback then you share it with others but you mainly write and produce yourself
1: yes yes exactly uh what often happens is so my producer dean is actually coming in today after the session okay um and we're starting on a new track and basically I've produced much of the track myself and then he comes in we sit together and say okay cool what are our references what songs do we like um, from other artists that we would like to sort of emulate maybe the sound maybe the sort of vibe that they have and then also go okay cool so how do we plan on creating this what do we need to change in the song so on and so forth until we get to a conclusion where we can both like sort of start working on the song together and get it to that final final step.
0: Is it always a point of emulating other artists? Is that always a touch point? I know it's very difficult these days because there's thousands, not thousands, millions of songs have been released over mm. over, and especially lately with so many songs being released per day on Spotify or on download. Okay, one is sounding like this. Is it always that type of point of reference or is it a genre point of reference? mm
1: like i it's a it, that's a very tough question I think it we're always influenced by everything around us um, yeah, I suppose so i know yeah. they, they I know there are some songwriters who believe in not listening to other people's music while they're producing so that they have something completely unique. I yet to the other side. I really like being inspired by different music, and the more the better, because I don't want to be too narrowly focused on, say, sounding like this person, you know, because I don't want to copy. I want to sort of mm. grab a little bit from this person, grab a little bit from that person, a little bit from 10 or so songs, yes. and then go, cool, let's put all of that together and make something unique that shares similarities with all of these songs.
0: Yeah, Is it ever that point that you've done something and then you've thought it was... you? You know, something new and something different, but then it sounded the same as whomever because mm. you've had that in your mind unconsciously because you've been listened, listened to it for two years. And then all of a sudden you listen, you're like, Oh my God, but that sounds exactly the same like that.
1: Mm, totally. Like, I, I like for me, especially when I write a song at first, I'm very careful to go look at exactly my say, top 20 songs that I'm listening to right now or my top 20 favorite songs that I'm currently listening to and just making sure that I'm not taking something subconsciously from someone else T- to an extent it's good to sort of borrow from other musicians and borrowing small bits of melodies maybe could uh, amplify your songwriting or um, ideas maybe if if a chorus section's melody goes from high to low you could do something similar and sometimes it happens that I'll be writing something and I go oh this sounds familiar maybe too familiar and i go listen to a song and oh wow it's this one so i have to change a couple of things up um so sometimes it does like your your tastes and what you listen to interferes with with your songwriting often because uh yeah that's just human nature we are made to copy each other
0: (laughs) i'm not sure if you're aware of nlp neurolinguistic programming and i've discussed this with a couple of um other artists on a couple of other episodes people process information differently And everyone's dominant in one specifically and then secondary and another and tertiary and another, which means they're in one for the majority of the time and then they play in the other twos less during the day. So people are either visual, they create pictures, they auditory, they it's about the words expressed, or kinda aesthetic. I'll do that word again, kinesthetic is about Mm -hmm. the energy and the feel and the emotion. So when you're listening to songs by other people or by yourself and also is the question is is it the same when you listen to yourself compared to others are you more visual in kinesthetically or auditory and i i get a sense you might be kinesthetic because earlier you mentioned you felt it through you so would would Mm. my presumption be correct in saying that you're kinesthetic Yes,
1: I would say, like, uh, one of my favorite YouTubers is Jazza. He's a a visual artist, but he always calls himself a kinesthetic learner. And I feel like I'm very similar. Um, In order for me to learn how to do something new, I have to actively do it, right? So, like, literally taking something, seeing something. I like like just dabbling in art as well. Like, I saw this... um, This thing the other day, a friend of mine posted on on social media where this guy had made like a beautiful artwork, a massive artwork with loads of um, toothpicks. And so I was like, okay, cool, let me try that. And I started trying a little bit of that at home just for fun. But that gives you a sort of an idea of how, what I'm like as a musician as well. So if I hear something that I like, I go, oh, how does that happen? How do they make that happen? And instead of going necessarily to research it, I go, think, I think it might be this and then start messing around with stuff until I, yes. I find something that sounds similar to that. So I would say I'm more on the kind of static side, yeah.
0: But when you're listening to music, do you, are you always, um, besides – the process inside, are you always unpacking it or is it ever the process of, okay, I'm just going to relax and listen to music now?
1: (laughs) Mm, Yeah, that's such a, that hits deep because I've realized recently that in the last, let's say six or seven years, um, I have started listening to music less for enjoyment and more for like from, from that lens of, oh, I'm an artist. I want to know what this person is doing. Um, but in the last two years, I sort of started discovering um EDM, electronic dance music, that I didn't really like before. And I just realized that I do really like moving my body to music as well. And I, that was never a part of my experience of music. And so that brought some of that joy back and just not having to necessarily make that sort of music, but just enjoying it for what it is.
0: Now, I know if I had to ask you this question in two days, two hours, two minutes, I understand and recognize that your answer will be different every time we... I asked you this question, but if you had to push play to five songs by other artists, once we have finished this conversation, what would those five songs be and by whom?
1: Still a big one for me is uh, Shrike by Hosea. I've mentioned this one in the past. It just sticks out as one of those that's like timeless to me. One of the biggest songs that made the most influence to me as a songwriter at a young age was uh, Under the Same Sun by Ben Howard. I do love a song called Peaks and Valleys by Dan Mangan, a Canadian man. Um just awesome song about similar to mental health, actually about like all the peaks and valleys in life and how mm-hmm. you have to sort of navigate them. Then there's um WTF by Still Woozy, who I really leaned on heavily with the production side of this track that I'm releasing now. Mm-hmm. Mm, the last one um, Maybe a Jason Mraz one. Let's let's go for a cliche Jason Mraz. Let's go old school. I'll say uh, I'm I'm yours. Okay. Why not? Because I play that one very often when I do cover sets, and it just okay. always brings a smile to my face.
0: So what's next on your journey? What's the next in the short term, and what's beyond that?
1: Okay, short term, starting to work on a new track now. Not going to plan any further than that on that for now just leaving it as it is allowing it to to bloom like it like it wants to bloom right giving it its space long term would love to do a tour overseas Uh, i have quite a bit of a listenership in the netherlands so that is looking like next year hopefully but i'm not going to put too much pressure on it trying to see where it goes but that is the plan um, and I mean, ideally for me as a musician, I would love to live in South Africa for six to nine months of the year and then live in Europe for three months of the year, like yeah. doing the whole swallow thing. I think it's very possible people like Jeremy Loops are doing that. And I think, uh, that would just be a, a great life. So I don't want to be necessarily an Ed Sheeran level musician, but if I can make enough money to survive from music and see the world through, through playing music. I I would be more
0: than happy. So not if, when. So when you make enough money. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yes, (laughs) I like that. (laughs) So when. (laughs) Varun, the podcast is listened to throughout the world. So as a final message to the listening audience, what would you like to say?
1: Oh, I would just like to say thank you to everyone who is listening to the song. Uh, I know that some of you messaged me um, and said that it has really meant a lot for you and that you can really relate to it. And I just want to thank you guys for letting me know that that's happening to you because, um, that more than anything in the world, uh, what I want to do is to be able to touch people and have them relate, um, to a piece of music like I've been able to relate to other people's music. So, thank you so much for listening and thank you so much for uh, relating to my music and, and sharing your experiences with me. Yeah.